Gaming BS episode 120, RPG goals for 2017. Hi, this is Will from the FastCast, and you're listening to Gaming and BS. I wonder what the BS stands for. Is it Buddy System? I think it's Buddy Bologna System. Bologna yeah. Sandwich? Bologna Sandwich. Bob Saget? It's got to be Bob Saget. All right, you're listening to Gaming and Bob Saget. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a podcast about tabletop RPGs and other miscellaneous things of geekery, mostly RPGs. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back if you've been with us before. And if you're new, thank you for joining us. And I got to say, the uh, the little snippet you got there from the fast cast with Willow, I met Willow two uh, gamehole cons ago, and um, that is a hardcore gamer person. She knows her stuff. Um, we went with this last game hole con. I don't think I talked about this at the, uh, at the wrap up that we did, but she sat down with her, with one set of props she did for this, um, for this game about choosing the next Pope and so forth. It was really freaking cool. Very intense. It was really cool. So fast cast Willow and the crew over there. So give it a listen to if you have not already done. So Willow's great. Willow is good people. Damn it. Yeah. Thanks for sending those in Willow. And team over at FastCast, they sent us like four of them, and I had my choice of which one to pick, and I thought that one was amusing. And who knows, maybe we'll use the other ones. Very good. The Bob Saget Podcast. <laughs> like, that was, that's a, you said an acronym I had not thought of before, so that's off in that direction. Very cool. Right. So announcements, um, I've pimped this a ton. Evercon is January 6th through the 8th. Holy shit, that's in like a week, pretty much. My team is uh, my team and I, I should say, not my team, like they all work for me or something. But the team that is local in the Wausau, Wisconsin area is already hard at work at the convention center getting things rolling. I have the luxury of being able to work remotely this next week, which means remote will be from Wausau, Wisconsin, while I uh, head up there tomorrow night and then spend Wednesday, Thursday, Friday um, assisting with con prep and setup and goodness there. So I am learning more and more as to why uh, Alex Kammer. Um, looks stressed out and uh, a little tense as the con gets near. But he handles it pretty well. I just hope I have uh, a similar level of grace that he and Josh did and Andrew and the team over there. So, Which means I'll, the... I'll, try to only th- I'll try to only flip one or two tables. It's a walk in the park, man. Hey, what could go wrong? It's not like I'm shutting down an entire company's you know internet connection and having to turn it on in 24 hours. Right. <laughs> Done that. Yeah. <clears throat> this is nothing. Worst thing that happens, I'll have a horde of angry gamers. That could be pretty bad, actually. I don't want a horde of angry gamers. They're crafty folk. <sighs> Any other announcements, Sean? No. No. Still got the post Xmas Day sleepies. No. Yeah, I'm I'm freaking tired today, but Oh, you put a floor in too. <laughs> Sean and the flooring saga. Yes. If you need if you need any kind of flooring put in, tile, hardwood, um, anything like that. Sean is apparently opening a new business. He does flooring in the Madison, Wisconsin area. Big dice. Call the big dice number and get your orders in now. His slots are booking up quick. His his slots for flooring installed in twenty seventeen are specializing in floating floors, laminate, vinyl, plank vinyl. Yeah, no. 
Yeah, let's get into Random Encounter. Nobody wants to know about damn flooring. (laughs) Probably not. Random Encounter. Fielding emails, voicemails, social media from listeners. Uh, First one. We actually have a voicemail. Shoot. Yeah, we got one from the henchman. I'll tell you what. I'll read uh, Bruce. I'll read Bruce's uh, write into us over on our Patreon, and um, I'll let you get that queued up. How's that sound? That sounds like a plan, Brett. <clears throat> Excellent. So Bruce Cunnington, one of our patrons. Thank you again, Bruce, for support of the show. Um, he said, a great episode as ever. I think race as class, speaking again of episode 119 just before this, just a case of, quote, how it used to be, unquote, rather than the, quote, newfangled, unquote, way of separating them, which started with, I think, first edition AD&D. The original races and classes are classic archetypes with the demi-humans very much based on Tolkien's work. It's interesting, through, uh, though, that back in original D&D, the elf could use magic or fight, but not do both during the same session. You hit the nail on the head when Sean tied it to the old-school ethic of any character being able to attempt any task, such as searching for traps. We sit down to play DCC. Don't forget to consider the character's <clears throat> level zero occupations, too. If the character could be considered trained or experienced in a field, the rulebook suggests use a D20 or a D10 for an untrained check. You could also go up and down the die chain to suit. That's a very good point, Bruce. That was one of the, um, after rereading, I think I alluded to this, so I, I want to play some D- DCC again, and uh, parsing through rules and stuff, looking at the skills, and like, man, I really like this. And then the whole races class thing kind of hit me, and you're right, and I said it out loud again um, in the last episode, but I'll say it again here, I should say, is that uh, Sean was dead on. It's kind of, get in the game, it's the OSR ethic. If uh, you grab onto that, you know, grab on tight and go with it, it's going to work. So, good stuff. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate you writing in. You ready there, Sean? Yeah, thanks, Bruce. Yeah, now we got to go to Goblin's Henchman. See if this will work. Hi, BSs. It's the Goblin's Henchman here. Christmas Eve, and I thought I'd leave you another message. I want to talk um, metagaming and house rules. Um, in the creative spellcasting episode... Um, Sean uh, started talking about a scenario where the the players enter a room or something and there's a a challenge, some sort of monster, and the players all sort of gather around and have a 30-minute powwow about how they're going to destroy this creature. Yeah, yeah, player, the thief sneaks around the back and he's going to backstab and the magic is going to teleport and peer behind him and and the fighter's going to flank him left and and the the cleric is going to faint, faint forward and then then come back and and defend the magic user and and all this kind of shenanigans. And um, I got quite, quite fed up with my players doing that, so I came up with this house rule, which was basically we'd click into live action mode. So I'd say, for example, you enter a room, three minotaurs appear from concealment and charge at you. What do you do? Five, four, three, two, one. And I give them a countdown and say, what do you do? <laughs> and then <laughs> they'd all kind of shout something out and being being the obtuse players they were, a couple of them would always go, just to add to the cacophony, knowing very well I couldn't quite fathom out what every player said. So I'd have to go, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? But I found a really useful tool to break that kind of um, tactical uh, sort of, you know, this sort of awful sort of chat that goes around for ages. And I actually think the players found it 
quite liberating in the end because they also, I think, in some ways got a bit bored and 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 and, and sort of tangled up in the sort of minutia of trying to come up with the best plan possible. Anyway, that that was um, that was just thought one of the things I thought other people might want to incorporate into their game. Um, maybe not. I mean, it's I thought it was quite a neat trick. And also, talking a little bit about meta gaming, this all this talk about creative spellcasting and the, the the was it breathe water spell being used to suffocate a blue dragon or dragon. Well, I think I think you're absolutely right, Brett. That that spell would be called suffocate if that's what its true purpose was. The very moment that the first magic found magic user found out you could suffocate people, he'd he'd be just using that to you know steamroll anyone who got in his way, and and that that was what the spell would be. So um, I think in terms of a meta gaining point of view, I think it's all right for a player and, and a DM to chat about what a spell means. If there's some sort of confusion in the wording, like does a spell emanate from my hand and go 30 feet or does it sort of come, does it start 30 feet and then emanate? I mean, it's sort of, if there's some ambiguity, then there's, that's fine for discussion. But if a player wants to use a spell in a brand new way, well, that's, that's on him to try and see what happens. I think the DM's being kind. Maybe you'll let him have a wisdom check or an intelligence check to say whether or not, you know, that's advisable given his, you know, knowledge of the spell. You know, roll behind the screen. If you roll a, a you know, a fumble, you, you might say, "Yeah, yeah, that that definitely suffocated blue dragon. No, no problem. Yeah." And of course, when you do it, it's just, it's a bit like giving a dragon a wedgie and just infuriates him beyond belief as he gets this sort of slap in the face with this spell, but doesn't actually suffocate him. Anyway, I'll uh, I'll cut it off there. So um, again, enjoying the work. Keep it up. And um, I'm not sure when this is going to go out, if it does at all, but. Yeah, Happy New Year to everyone and Merry Christmas and all that. Cheerio. I love the idea of giving a large dragon a wedgie. That's just it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think, Sean, I think you and I have talked. I don't know if we've talked about this on the mics before or not, but I know what the henchman's talking about. I've done a similar thing back in my vampire days um, to make combat go faster. It was a, what do you do? Well, uh, okay, I'll get back to you and then move on to the next person. <clears throat> Sometimes when you have initiative, um, like in a D&D setting, it's like who, who goes first, who goes second, who goes third. Or sometimes it's a group initiative back in the older editions. Um, doing something, though. I think you talked about this, like go punch their face off. Do something. You know, Go up there and whack the dragon. Do something. You're a fighter with a plus two dragon slaying longsword, for Christ's sake. Go do a thing. Um, I think that's kind of cool to kind of cut back on there's the there's a time and a place for the metagaming and the discussions like that, but then other times it's like, no, we don't have time for that BS. Let's just go, 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 go. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're being attacked. What happens? Um, and it adds to the um, to the overall feeling of it. I like it. I love doing that type of thing, so I think it's a really good idea. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, man. Dragon ass during those types of situations, just like, come on. You know, coordinating an attack, I, I don't know. Like if you've been playing long enough with the the player characters and players, you'll probably have a good idea of what needs to be accomplished. But yeah, you gotta move things along, man. It's fast, it's furious, it's crazy, it's things are happening and going on, man. You gotta get going, you gotta get in there, start making decisions, make things happen, or else they're gonna the cool squash your face in. 
Exactly. There is a. I remember back in the uh, back in the days when I was reading X Men comics. There was a fastball special, which was when Colossus would pick Wolverine up and throw him at things, mostly Sentinel robots. Um, <clears throat> use Colossus fastball special. I know what that is. Chuck. I throw the I throw the crazy mutant into things, and he smashes them. And sometimes those type of uh, events that happen in the, the the heat of the moment become the oh my god. I hope they don't pull a, a Panama if you've ever seen the uh, the movie Sahara. Oh my god, it's a Panama. What is that? Oh, it's a thing that happened one time, and it's a you know it. There's so much coolness that can happen in the heat of the moment. Uh, something that turns out to be a staple attack or a staple plan of attack when ambushed by things like ogres. This is what we do with ogres. We do the thing, you, you know, ogre plan alpha or whatever it is. That that type of thing can come out of it too, which is always a lot of fun. Very good stuff. Thank you for calling in, Henchman. Awesome to hear from you again, sir. Yes, thank you so much. And thanks for the New Year's well wishes or holidays. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get into the main topic, I guess. Yeah, let's crack into it. What? 2017 goals. Like goals. Yeah. Like, like it's stuff like, it's, to it's shoot, that, shoot for. Yeah, exactly. So I've got, I had to uh, do end of year wrap ups for my direct reports and the day job. And like, did they meet their goals? Did they meet this? Did they meet that? And I thought, you know, Sean and I have talked about a number of different things we'd like to accomplish. And some of them we have with the podcast. You know, we get in, um, been able to work with Alex and the guys for Gamehole. That's a huge feather in our cap. I really, really like that. Um, I wanted to go to GaryCon last year, made that happen. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I thought, you know, let's kind of, let's talk about some things we want to accomplish here in the upcoming year, not necessarily resolutions per se, but just stuff we'd like to do. I know Sean's got a couple things cooking. I've been thinking about different things and let's, uh, maybe we'll have to, you know, revisit it halfway through the year or something and see if we've made any progress, do a quarter, do a mid-year review, so to speak, and see if any of us are either of us, I should say, are anywhere closer to our goals. We, I don't know if we did, did we do this last year? What the, what the hell did we do? Well, that was a year ago. Who knows what happened last year? (laughs) I don't even know. I, I don't remember what we did last year. I'll have to go back and look. Did I'll have to, you know, you know what I got to do. Did we accomplish anything or? I don't know if we actually did or not. I know I gave out beer glasses and uh, whiskey to people at the last at the last gaming convention, so I got that going for me. <laughs> so, Sean, in this upcoming year, one of the things that, I mean, gaming conventions, unless they're like, well, even if they're in our backyard, like GameholeCon, it still requires time off from the day job, you know, for preparation, getting there and all that good stuff. Um, are you going to do Gary Con this year? I haven't signed up yet. I got, I will go down there. It's mm-hmm. just how long will I go down there for? I don't know if I'm going down there the whole weekend. It's, I don't know the logistics behind it. I imagine they got to have rooms available. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Do I sign up for events? Like it's for the first time in a while, Gary Con's kind of, I don't know why it's sneaking up on me, but I just haven't planned by this time. I think typically I usually reserve a room in November or December for March because it's in March and I haven't done any of that. <laughs> you know, I'm definitely going, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going. I mean, I am so almost the- tempted to just, I don't know, maybe go down there, crash in somebody's, you know, maybe on a couch in the lobby. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I may not even sign up for a badge or events or any of that because we all know that it's never been right. So well, why just using, even why, why even frustrate myself? Let's just I'm just gonna go there 
buy my badge at the door and go, yes, I would like a badge, please. And then I'll just I did that go. last year. But you I know, did that last year. That's how I got in. And then when when the DCC folks, when they run everything off grid, just go, hey, I, I'll play. When are you playing? And just volunteer to play games when they're off the grid. I mean, and you know what? Then I, I can't complain because I didn't have a shitty bad registration, event registration experience or any of that. Very true. Now, I do know that Gary Khan is using the tabletop events this year. The same guys, JT and the team, who are doing the uh, the stuff for uh, Evercon. <laughs> and if they've implemented the system the way that my team has implemented the system, my partners and I, for Evercon, it should be pretty damn cool. However... Isn't it, isn't it Gary Khan <clears throat> 9? Yes. Holy it's about shit. time they kind of get their shit together, I guess, yeah. But anyway, I'm definitely uh, gonna go. <laughs> I don't want to get in. I don't want to open up that ugly can of worms. I love I'm those definitely guys. Go. I really, really, really want to love them. Luke, Gygax, buddy, I love you guys, man. But you got to nip that shit in the bud. Well, hopefully this one will be the best ah. one from from that perspective. I'm going to be interested. If nothing else, I want to get there this year. Talking to. Uh, uh, Nick and Bruzio and um, <clears throat> Corey and Dave Wynn and anybody else from our you know our listenership that's there, just kind of getting the skinny from their perspective on how it went. I think this year, last year when I went to Gary Con, I just I kind of came and hung out, which was a lot of fun for me, just talking to people, seeing what was going on, <clears throat> tour a little dealer hall, talk to Alex a little bit, talk to you, you know, run into Jen Brinkman, talk to her for a bit, and just bopped around and just hung out with people the whole con. That was a lot of fun for me, and did a little. You know, card game stuff on the side, just kind of hanging out. Got to hang out with uh, Doc and Jimmy quite a bit. Got to know those guys more. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I think if I, um, from a games perspective, I may do the same thing I did last year is just see if I could get in on a pickup game or maybe do one of my own off the grid or something. I don't know. But uh, definitely going. Absolutely going to go. And, of course, I have to go to Evercon. Sean, you've you've hinted that you may or may not make it. You're not going to make it, though. I've got, I see the face. It's not going to I don't know, man. It's... <laughs> It's compl- it's complicated. My my con uh, relationship, my con relationship is relationship is complicated. He's in a relationship. It's complicated. That's what that's his con status. Sean would go up there and get like snowed in. Like he wouldn't be able to leave for like a week. And how would that be bad? I got a jeep. That's I can't I use see. that excuse anymore. You got a four wheel drive. You're fine. I know. Yes, ever con. So you I'm know, thinking it's of- just <clears throat> shitty timing that con. What? No, traditionally it's been held it's been held there and honestly I'll tell you what, shitty timing is any con, right? Honestly, any anybody anywhere, any gamer, oh, Gen Con's at the shittiest time of year for me. It, I mean, it doesn't it's matter true. when I pick it, there's going to be a shitty time. Somebody somewhere is going to say, "Oh, you put Evercon, you moved it. Now it's right on top of GaryCon. I can't go to both." Oh, for fuck's sake. So That's that's true. That's a very good point. Can't can't win for trying or lose for trying or however the hell that phrase goes. Anyhow, I don't want to be there, man, because it would take the spotlight away from you, Brett. Mm-hmm. And I surely don't want <laughs> that to happen. No, that's 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 what I need. Is I need spotlight. That's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't need it, but. So can I convince you though to do a motorcycle trip up to Queen City Conquest with me? Holy shit! Would that be a blast? That would be a fucking blast, dude. I mean, that's the way I want to roll, man. I wouldn't even, I don't I even know, know you, if I'd I know have, you do. I, I, my ass would be sore as hell, but. Yeah, but we. Both you, ways. You, you, ooh, that ride back would be like, oh, dude. It was. Oh, kinda, this is a long time. It was kind of okay on the way out, but man, now look, looking back, holy shit, that's going to be what? 
What's Chris? How long did it take Chris? Was it a 12, 14 hour ride? About that, yeah. It's on a bike side, I would say it's a two dayer. You don't want to, I, at a certain point when I'm dead ass tired on two wheels, I don't like to stay upright if I don't have to. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Drifting off on a motorcycle is <laughs> not the same as a car. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a, that's a good way never to come back. That's a very good way to do that. So I'm I dropping put training the wheels right on mine. I'll put training wheels on my motorcycle. There I'm we go. Like, <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Okay. Shit. Hit the this. rumble strip. Oh, back up, back up. <laughs> All right, you, so I am now is, officially planting this. That would be something I would really, yeah. I mean, any, you know, no. I'm planting the bucket. Place. It's a bucket list seed, man. It's a gamer bucket list seed for us. I'm going through the Poconos motorc- and shit. I think they hit the Poconos. Well, it doesn't matter. It's a motorcycle ride from Wisconsin to New York for a gaming convention. How fucking cool! Would I've that ridden be? out to Connecticut, so going a little bit north wouldn't wouldn't be a big deal. And it's nice, nice scenery and ooh, good time of year. Get, I might have to get some rain gear. Yeah, I've got I've got good rain gear. Because it'd be a whole lot of suck. It would, yeah, getting <laughs> soaked for hours and hours and hours. It's not fun. But I'm hoping to I'm hoping to do Queen City if possible. I'd like to do it as a motorcycle trip with you. And I uh, when, when, sure when is can, that? Oh, when the hell was Queen City? Queen City was. It's in the summer. It's got to be in the summer, right? It is in the summer. It's in like really hot time of summer. So it's actually a good time to be on the bike. Um, yeah, I don't want to go too too late in the year, man. I end up frigging. No, the freezing going to Buffalo, you, know you might end up like snow in September and shit. Yeah, had to trade to Harley and get a snowmobile to get home. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so planting the seed right now, maybe we can pull that off. So game hole, obviously, that would be a hole. Yeah, game hole. Yeah, game hole's a no brainer. That's a no brainer. I should stomp on you more. Stomp, you should. Stomp, stomp. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Go ahead, man. That's all right. We've also talked about maybe doing Origins because Origins is kind of that halfway point between here and, say, Queen City. That could be a bike trip, too. It's complicated, Brett. I know. I'm just saying. I, get, dist- I only have allocation for, like, two cons a year. I know. Like, I know. Any more than that, shit, I might as well just sell my soul. I'm selling my soul. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not saying I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not in the market for a new soul, but I'm just saying I know a guy. Who would take a soul hardly used. Um, so yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So those are just just convention thoughts. Just convention thoughts. The other thing, honestly, from a convention perspective, there is more the more I have found out through this podcast and talking to other people at conventions more and more, Gamehole and uh, Evercon and here we got, there's a shit ton of stuff that happens around us, man. There are small cons out in lacrosse, there's stuff out. By Green Bay, there's stuff that happens throughout the year that I'm like, holy crap, there's a con coming. And holy shit, there's Forge. Forge of Midwest is in Madison. Holy fuck, that's coming up too. So I think... Um, yeah, we didn't even put uh, Forge Midwest on there. Right now, Willow and Tim are jumping up and down, freaking going ape shit because we didn't we didn't mention Forge Midwest. So Yeah, and I, I, I've I never there, been though. to... I go there. I've never been to Forge, so I'm thinking i got to get my ass to Forge this next year. That might be a good idea. I've not been to that style of con, that smaller one, uh, that indie bent to it. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah, it's very, very loose as far as uh, loose as in as in there is no pre reg. You show up, it's free. There's no cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, you show up to play games and you muster, and then you. I think they have it down to blocks pretty much. And there's board games too and card games. I mean, I think I played Race for the Galaxy one time when I went there for a few hours, and then. Pretty much packed it up. Um, I mean, I went there. I mean, it's literally five miles down the road, if that. 
Yeah, and that's one of those things, again, I just got to find out the schedule when it is this coming year and April. see what I got to do to make it happen. I, be- I believe that's a good it's bir- yeah. yeah, birthday gift to me then. I'll figure that out. Okay. So, Sean, we've talked about different games. I mentioned this already, Dungeon Crow Classics. I want to run, after I'm done with my Traveler game with my home group, I'm going to get some DCC action going. Um, been reading a lot about it, talking to Jen. Bruce Cunnington, other folks on online that are big DCCers, and damn it, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run like a longer campaign type of thing. We're gonna get some pretty cool stuff going. I want. You gonna run a funnel, dude? Yeah, I think we'll start. I think think start as a funnel and then uh, move on to some like Doom and the Savage Kings or something like that. There's some there's some cool adventures out there that I got a couple of them, and I want to get a few more and weave together a nice little campaign. I think it should be fun. Um, Sean, is it? Uh, what are you thinking of? What, what's what's on your like? You're definitely going to run next year or anything like that. Do you have anything? It's yeah, maybe. Is it? It's complicated. Well, if I, <laughs> <laughs> I will run. I don't know hmm. uh, what I will run. I I get gamer uh, gamer attention. Like I don't want to say a deficit disorder because that's. Comparing it to an actual disorder and and making it gaming based is you're more like a ferret in a glass ball factory. Ooh, shiny game. Ooh, look at that game. Ooh, this game's boring. I want to try this other game. Yeah. So I will probably look to run maybe Knights Black Agents, maybe some Savage Worlds, maybe D and D five E. Um, for running wise, I think, and and maybe Mash. Mash is a Kickstarter for play, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse, which is during the Korean War. Did you get in on that? Of course, I got on that, Brett. Just, just checking, just checking. I got a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse, and it's probably the. I, I here it is. This is a true fact. Savage Worlds and Powered by the Apocalypse games are probably the two game systems I have the most of. Well, and you. And you run and play the least. And I run and play the least. I D and D is close, is probably in there, but I'm not. You know, and that D and D spans all the editions. I don't Got really, it. I don't really count D and D, but I would say because powered by the apocalypse, they're all different games, just the same system. But I would say, yeah, those that system and Savage Worlds, um, it, it, yeah. Anyways, I don't know. That's I gotta rectify that. I gotta rec- I gotta rectify that. Well, if nothing else, the the fact that you have that much. The cool part about like when I play Dungeon World with Chris Nizak, I'm like, wow, this is a great one shot type of thing too. So even if you wanted to do, like, I want to play Blades in the Dark if that damn Kickstarter ever fucking shows up on my doorstep. God damn it! Um, when I get Blades hey, in the Dark, hey, I want to hey, run that. Evil Hats under that man. You, it's good. I know. You had Fredster at the helm now, and he's probably getting that shit done. Like that guy, uh, what's his name, John? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, now he's, that now he's that, in over, he was probably in over his head. Like after it funded, like absurdly crazy. I think, I think so. Yeah, it's all good. No, no, Hark. I know Brett's getting impatient <laughs> as shit, but well, when a project's a year late, I get a little cranky about it. So oh, when that shows up, jab, I want to run it. Boom, 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 stab, boom. stab, 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 poke, poke, poke. Well, when that shows up, I want to run it, and I like to play it, and that's one of those that I think would be so. To do, we've talked about doing this type of thing before too, where we have, um, like a game day, like a Saturday or something, where you and I and maybe get 
you know, um, <clears throat> I don't know, Jim or Humfleet or some of the guys in the area and maybe pull together and run a bunch of different games, you know, maybe on a day or do something like that. It might be kind of fun to run a couple Powered by the Apocalypse one shots or something back to back or two or three of them, maybe. I don't know. Just Hobbs, Hobbs Hobbs mentioned that too at Game Con. He wants to maybe have one. He's talked about throwing in gaming swap, like bringing games and people swapping oh. games and, and playing games. And he he's willing to come up. I don't know how many people from the Isle Illinois, the ill ill eye noise is uh, willing to come up, but uh, that's and I got I think I got a good facility over here on the north side of Madison. We got a we got a big big rooms, lots of tables and chairs. I mean, lots relative speaking, it's probably at least twenty tables, maybe. Might be worth looking into. And I don't know if it even costs anything. I don't know. The community rec center. Anyway, well, t- I'll it's tell you an though, when, when it, the the thing with uh like the mash Kickstarter Blades in the Dark. Um, I'm also in on Invisible Sun Kickstarter and Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerer's Hyperborea, uh, the second print, the second edition of that I'm in on. So when those drop, I definitely want to play those. I want to grab those, read them, and get them to the table. Oh, I'm also on uh, Swords and Wizardry. Did you get in on Swords and Wizardry? The I did. Version? I did get on that one. Yeah, yeah. So it's something OSR. Good- <clears throat> I would. I would like maybe to run. I. I don't know. I'm on the fence, man. It's kind of wh- I'm whimsical. I still I still have a very big heart for Star Wars too. Because I mean, no, Rogue One, man. It's like, yeah, let's age a rebellion. Let's blow sh- some shit up and be part of the resistance. I'll tell you, I haven't seen the movie yet, but that trailer you're, had, you're dead that, to me. Get get him off the that air. trailer. Somebody got with me initial more. with B start. You know, <laughs> come on, I'm now hiring. <laughs> nice. That trailer got me more fired up actually than the other ones did. So I'm I will see it, just not yet. I haven't had time. I can't. My only my biggest beef is that they. I wish they would have developed some some of the characters just a bit more. But what are you going to do? It's Star Wars. Only only so much time. I'm hoping maybe maybe I'll pick up the book. Like there's a book called Catalyst that talks about it's a Rogue One story. Which talks okay. about I won't go into the movie, but it, it it's a precursor to Rogue One. Okay. Hmm. That might have more info on the characters then. Makes sense. It yeah, but I'm more interested in some of the characters that come to fruition in Rogue One and maybe they'll have a well they're well, they're not gonna have a book on them, but anyway. Fair enough. So the other So Star Wars, o- yeah, man, Star Wars. Totally. From a uh, another OSRE type of perspective, I want to do uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess. I have a uh, my buddy Lenny and Alpha went out there running. There's a small game going on with my with my with my home group. I'm not able to make it, but I'm rearranging my schedule <clears throat> this next year. I'm going to say no to more stuff than I have, and um, say yes to some of the things I want to do. <laughs> I've I've kind of over I overextended myself a lot in 2016, but I have a Lamentations of the Flame Princess campaign ready to roll with that group. So that's going to be a lot of fun when that happens. It's a small subset of my core group um, in my hometown, but uh, that'll be fun when I, when I get to that. And I did pick up the Black Hack, that little $2 um, PDF off of uh, DriveThruRPG. Uh, <clears throat> Vecchione talked about it quite a bit, um, how much he liked it, and I read it. Everything is, it's all player-facing die rolls, man. I did not know that. I read it, and I'm like, so this is D&D, and everything's player-facing. That's pretty cool. It's we got should, a bit of 
which makes me think Cypher system. I'm like, I have Cypher. I haven't run Cypher yet. I should probably try that. We we should try to do an OSR. We'd have to get somebody else. Like we had to get a true OSR freak on the show to talk about. And and the whole purpose of the show would be to outline the differences between each like pick picking like five or six, maybe five, maybe four major OSR-ish games. Swords and Sorcery, Labyrinth Lord, whatever, Lamentations, throw that in there, like four of the big ones. And then explain the differences between each single one. Because I think Yeah, that, why would I play this one versus this other one? What does this have that the other one doesn't have? Right. Oh, it's got ascending versus descending armor class. A big <clears throat> freaking deal. Like, you know, is that a big enough deal? I don't know. Maybe it is a big deal. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. But uh, Brent Newell, Newell, Newhall, he, I bought his PDF on drive through who, and he went through like 15 different OSR. Oh, yes. I've got that one as well. I picked that up. And I, while it, it was, it was okay. Like it goes into much more of the mechanics pieces, I think, than anything else. And maybe it just comes down to those mechanics. But anyways, I digress. Interesting, huh? Yeah. So the the one game I've got coming, it'll be later in the year when Invisible Sun lands on my doorstep. That one is going to be. I heard it <clears> runs <throat> itself. Like you, don't have, huh. you don't have to do anything, Brett. You just like, hey guys, I just op- I just open a box and let it go. Yeah, it's, like auto- it's automated. <laughs> it's fully automated. No prep. Uh, you could do it when you're not gaming. Like it's not. You know, it just everybody- happens. Yeah, there's no no time set aside because I don't have any time. So this is like the perfect game. It's like <laughs> this is it, man. You open the box. I'm I'm fully expecting like to get notified. Like, hey, you're in Brett's Invisible Sun game. Do this. Like, go to work and you'll get three XP. And I'll be like, sweet, <laughs> woo, sweet. I'm already doing this. I love this game. And you're there's a, f- a there's a door <laughs> in your office. That's a portal. Sweet, yeah, all right. I'll be breaking the CIO's office. Shut up, Bob. Get out of my way. I need experience. If you take on an imaginary friend, you'll get 10 XP. Woo. All right. Nice. Take him with a, take him to a conference call with you. (laughs) I have a feeling though, when that game drops, I'm going to, to do it justice. um, I'm going to have to dig, dig into it deep. Cause I just, I'm, I'm anticipating that game's going to take a lot of time. So part of my logic for talking through the different games and stuff I want to run is, I want to get a lot of shit done and run before that game lands on my doorstep because I have a feeling it's going to monopolize a lot of my time um, for the end of the year. So I'm kind of curious as to whether or not I can actually make that happen or not. I don't know. And I don't know how intensive it will be. It looks, it looks, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what goes. But I, uh, I, come on, man. It's Monty's, you know, no prep, man. It's all, it's all meta, right? I don't prep anything as it stands right now. I don't prep shit before a game, if so that, I'm not worried the game about the no prep require, piece. If the game doesn't require prep, and Brett doesn't prep, sounds the game has like already happened. The-, <laughs> the game has already happened, it's and already Sean happened. is a level two wizard. That's it. We're done. <gasps> Who would have known? Hey, it's like a Mobius strip of no prep. It's just it, it's an eternal thing that goes on forever. Um, I'm on. <laughs> That, from a game's perspective, though, that's the one game I'm very, it was expensive, so that's one of the reasons why I'm, you know, bated breath. I want to see, I want to see the product in my hand. I want to see it. I want to play it. 
see if it's, excuse <clears throat> me, did I get my money's worth out of it? Am I really happy? Or is it going immediately on eBay? Um, I'm dying. I'm just dying to really understand what this thing is all about. Like it that's is part, so, that's part of it. I, I want to like dig it. And then, is probably going bonkers. He's probably got five hundred websites. He's probably developing for this this game, so he could bot people all over the web and put little secret <laughs> messages in every single one. I mean, that guy better be making bank because that is time consuming as shit. Yes, it is. <laughs> but I think because, it's gonna be it's gonna be intense. I I think just from reading, understanding, and if it's not, it will be the largest letdown in my gaming career. I think my gaming hobby career be like, oh, I, I don't think oh, this my, game sucks ass. I don't think he can. Bomb I don't think that that's. Bad. I don't think it's gonna bomb that bad. I mean, but, I don't. Um, I don't know a shitty product from Monty. Some people will argue what shitty products Monty's put out, but I mean, fair enough. Arcana evolved. I mean, it's still a D twenty based kind of RPG, and you might it may not be your thing, but I don't think it was a. I don't think it, it was very popular, pile. huh? Was it? No, 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 no. I'm just saying it wasn't like a big steaming pile. I mean, right. to your point, it may not have been uber popular, but it wasn't crap. Well, yeah, and Monty's strength may be setting, like setting, right? Somebody, some might say that Monty's strength is maybe more on the setting pieces than the mechanics. I don't know. That's debatable, but. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, man, I'm dying to know what this little treasure chest of fun is going to be. The other, the other game I have is Seven C. I picked it up at Queen City Conquest. I was very fortunate. Um, I knew you were going to pick that up. I told you that when you went out there. I'm like, yes, like, yes, you did. Red well, I had, I had a chance bought, to hang out with John. I got to game John play Seven C with John. Oh, I got to buy Seven C now. Actually, I was very fortunate, and I mentioned it before, is that uh, Wayne from Advanced Insight happened to have a second copy on him. Did you get it signed by John? Yes, I did. Whoa, hey. Now that, of course I put, did. Throw that sucker on eBay, man. See what you get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but I like I like the, the the mechanics and how it flowed and everything, and I'm like, that could be a really fun game, too. So I, I've kind of got a list of what I'm looking at next year is kind of like, what games do I want to run that are campaigns, and what ones do I want to run that as... I want to try this and get a taste for it, like like the Black Hack. I could easily sit down and say, you know what? Here's some pre-gens. I'm going to do a dungeon crawl or this adventure with the Black Hack. Go. Yeah, that was fun. We had a good time. Thanks. Excellent. Shelve it. Done. Yeah, I tried that. Um, the uh, Invisible Sun, I don't think I've got the same ability. At least I don't think I'm going to want to do like a one-shot with it. Cypher System or even Swords and Wizardry or Astonishing Swordsman. I feel confident that I could sit down and pick up an adventure for it, or I could run a one shot and be comfortable. Say that was cool. That was a lot of fun. You know, I'm going to run this at a convention sometime. I'll take this to Gary Con with me, and I'll run Swords and Wizardry or something along those lines. I could see doing that. Um, and DCC, as I said, I know already I'm going to have a campaign built out of that. <coughs> Excuse me. So we'll see what happens. Blades in the Dark is the one I'm kind of like. You know, I think I should really dig it, but I'm not sure yet. We'll see how it looks when I get it. But seven C is in that zone for me where it could easily take on a life of its own from a running perspective. If it goes over as well as I think it would with my gaming group, I could definitely see folks go- saying, "This is the game we're running, right? You're going to keep running this game, right?" I could see that happening. And whereas opposed to some of the other ones, folks might go, "Yeah, that was cool, neat." Toss it aside, and move on. Like Start- Cipher System, I could I see guess- my group kind of in or out. I can't remember Star Trek from Modiphius is coming out in 2017. That's on my to, that's on my to buy list. So 
That's that's the thing, Brett. We're talking about games we know of. Who knows what could come out in like second or third quarter of 2017, man, that'll blow our minds completely off our shoulders where we have to like run it forever. Like it just obliterates the rest of the hobby. That would be nice, actually. <laughs> I would I would totally dig that. I love that shit. When I when I ran the reason I ran Vampire for 15 years when I ran that game was because when I got it it blew my mind. The, there's, there was something about the setting, the the timing, where I was in my life and everything else, all my friends. This was like the game for us to play. And this was the only thing we really wanted to play. We tried other things. We played some D&D 2E. We played uh, 3.0 and other things at the time as well. But I mean, I'd played second edition AD&D long before that. I mean, but anyhow, we were playing other things along with it, but that was our go-to. At this point, I do not have another go-to game system. And I don't, and it's not for lack of trying. I think part of it is because I don't want to run another 15 year long <laughs> campaign. I don't have the, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm looking at my shelves and I'm like, I want to run this. God damn it. I've had this sitting on my shelf collecting dust for years now. I mean, DCC, you convinced me to buy a copy of that when we were still working together. I think even before this podcast started, I bought a copy of it and I've had that hardcover and I've run two funnels. Yeah, two funnels. That's all I've been able to run. I had a blast each time. So this year, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to run a serious DCC game and just get that off my gamer bucket list. Um, that was kind of where I came, where I ran at Traveler with my group right now. I'm like, God damn it, I'm running Traveler, you know. <clears throat> but I don't I don't have any. I, I mean, Invisible Sun to me is the the threatening thing on the horizon that could eat up a lot of time, and I could easily see that with my gaming group being the game that they want to play. No man, it doesn't that. take any time. That's the whole thing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the whole pitch. You don't just have remember to do anything; it runs itself. Just remember, gaming um, gaming is supposed to be a cheap hobby too. All you have to do is buy one set of rules; you can play forever. <laughs> hey, it doesn't you know, work that way. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and going back to my one game that may come out next year that could blow the hobby into a million pieces, it'd be the game of all games. Which is? I think it's- Which is? I don't know what it's going to be, but I think I know where it's going to come from. You ready? Really? What, where, are you, where are you saying this? Encoded Designs, my man. Okay. Encoded Designs, man. They're going to bring it out. Chris and Phil and the- and the boys over there at Encoded Designs could be you know, could be the HTO. I'll tell you, H2O, man. HTO. The Hydro Hackers? Hydro Hackers, man. Hydro Hackers looks, it sounds really fucking cool. And it's, honestly, from listening to those guys and from talking to you more about small book games and that type of thing, I've become more interested in them. Like the Black Hack a couple years ago. <clears throat> Excuse me, I never would have looked twice at my what the fuck ever. I have 82 versions of D&D like I need that. I'm like, oh, it's two bucks though. I'm going to look at it. And from what Phil and the guys are saying about Hydro Hackers and from talking to Chris when he was at Gamehole and from talking to Phil when I was at Queen City, that's really freaking cool. And that's a type of game that I think could be a lot of fun. And even if it doesn't, I mean, I know I know Phil wants it to be able to support campaign play. That's a big thing for him. So my hope is that it can because the cyberpunk aspect, I had I had a big thing for Shadowrun for a while. I couldn't stand the rule system though, which is what drove me from it. So if I can get an a Power by the Apocalypse style game that has the right cyberpunk stuff to it, that could be pretty fucking cool. That could easily that could easily uh, take over a, a good chunk of campaign time too. 
if that could work. Yeah, those guys, man, they may not even know what they're going to create in the next eight months. They, I mean, they probably do. I'm sure they have like a roadmap kind of thing going on, but who knows? I mean, they could come up with like, like Phil came up with Hydro Hackers, man. Like, I thought it was like on the air with one of their podcasts. He's like, you know, that's a good idea. And then it just, now he's And then like, next thing you know, now there's a game. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. So let's step away from the games for a second here. You were, you've talked about, so I'm going to credit you with this because you're the first gamer I saw doing this online where you bought a metric shit ton of D&D box sets, basic box sets to give away. I bought 10 and of then, them. And then I saw, after you posted, I saw a ton of other people, Alex Cameron and others included, saying, hey, I'm giving these away at Toys for Tots. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. So as far as I'm concerned, you're ground zero for that. So congrats. Everybody I know, I think, got it from you. But you also talked about maybe doing a gaming club in the Madison area for kids and such. Is that is that still a thing in your head, or what do you what are you noodling on? So I met with a couple guys here in Madison. Victor uh, Victor Raymond. Uh, Victor lives literally across the street from me. Uh, lives in the same neighborhood. Uh, as heads up the Madison Traditional Gaming Group that meets at a local game store here in Madison. Uh, they play a lot of different games. A lot, typically, a little bit older games. Uh, Traveler, first added AD&D, uh, maybe some Redbox, uh, you know, Molde. And um, I talked to Victor. He's willing to help me out in, in any way that he can. Um, and I talked to my buddy Ephraim, who is here in Madison as well, who actually did this. He actually started something up. It was called Safe Haven Games. Oh, very cool. And so, uh, of course, he volunteered to say, hey, let me know what you're thinking. I'd be willing to kind of give you some insight into some of the things that I had encountered. And he did. Now, Ephraim did more. uh, He did a lot of more board games. He didn't get into the RPG aspect as much, um, which is okay. And I think that, you know, that may be an option. But then, you know, he got a lot of support from third parties like, hey, here's a bunch of board games. He's like, great, thanks, and then ran board games. I'll tell you a cool thing about RPGs now, like the Black Hack. It's two bucks. Well, drop, so it's you not, know you could yeah, it's not they're, the cost. They're... I don't think it's the cost. The, okay, the, the right. thing that I think with board games is, is very you know it's very uh, the rule structure. You can pick ones at different levels. It's very grockable. It is much more grockable. RPGs with kids from, and he, his kind of group was like 10 to 14 is kind of the range he was looking at that, that would show up. Um, you know, and with, with board games, once you show somebody the rules and you played a couple times, kids, they'll, they'll get into it and they'll, they can run it themselves. RPGs may be a little bit further out there for them starting out like if they've never run an rpg they're not familiar with playing an rpg the curve may be significantly increased um well i talked to you a little bit about this with the uh, dc everest gaming club the thing that where evercon had started from and i got involved by showing up at evercon because of my buddy and uh, listener of the show front of the show chad knight and um chad convinced me to run some games there when my buddies and i still had dark theater going and we helped sponsor them and so on. And and then I showed up to the gaming club itself at the high school, junior high, excuse me, and ran some games. And it, it is different, right? Where you have, I'm going to run Pathfinder, I'm going to run Osric, I'm going to run something. And I would get kids to show up to the game 
that have never really played an RPG before or only played once or twice, or their experience with RPGs were computer-based RPGs, you know, the video games and so on. They hadn't really dealt with it before. And then I ran a small seminar for some basically would-be game master saying, this is what you do, this is how easy this is to put something together. Um, and then on the side, my buddy Zave and a few others talked to people who were very interested in playing about how to basically be decent players, right? Be giving and forgiving, help the game master and so on. And don't be complete jackholes just because you can type of thing. So I, I, in short version, I get where you're coming from that. It is probably a bit of a challenge. The cool part though, the reason I brought up the cost of RPGs is that giving away a copy of Osric, right? It's free. Um, Basically either print costs or something or the black hack, you pay two bucks, go to Kinko's and print yourself a copy and give it to somebody. Um, I think that helps because sometimes it's a, a simple game like that. You can give it to someone, they can walk away with read and they come back. It doesn't have a shit ton of options. It doesn't have all of the feats and stuff of, you know, I'll pick on Pathfinder or GURPS. It doesn't feel complicated. It doesn't feel very crunchy. It's very, very simple, dirt simple. And that I think is a good, uh, intro to have people get into it. And when they start talking about, I wish I could do more or this, then you can pull out the big book thud. Oh, you want to do more? You could read this book and so on. I think it's a really cool thing if you can pull it off. So the biggest thing is my understanding is that if I get support from the venue, I'm holding it, it will be fine. If I do not, it will crumble. And that was Ephraim's demise in his, his movement was, they started out very enthusiastic. Yes, it sounds like very great. They've got sponsors that donated a bunch of games. And then when the kids got in, it was just, this was at a local library. Okay. And so when the kids got in there, then it became literally half the staff became very um, anti-game. Uh, like they didn't want them in there. They were creating too much problems. Oh. And and other half of the staff was like, it's a good thing, you know. I mean, Ephraim got them to clean up their area, push in chairs, you know, you know, even comments from some of the staff that said, I can't believe you got them to clean up after themselves because they would never do that normally. So there's like good qualities that come out of it, but literally half the staff completely alienated them. Like those that were really friendly up front hmm. were like, I don't even want to talk to you and see you because you're and I don't care what, you know, whatever. I, I, I have my own opinion of Madison, um, Wisconsin. No, the, the, and I, no, I get it. I get what he's saying, though, right? Is that if you do take it to a uh, venue like a library or whatever, you do have, it's office politics, right? Something that sounds really good and then pisses somebody off, then it becomes a horrible thing. And running everything at a game store, sometimes you feel like you're preaching to the choir, right? If you If you're trying to get kids into a thing or people, adults even, into a thing, um, running it at Pegasus Games in Madison, it may not necessarily be the best venue because anybody who already knows where the store is is kind of an already they're already a convert, right? Right. Hmm. I, Interesting. I'm just afraid that up front it will be a good thing, but in the end, people will be. I don't know. I could go into it. I don't want to get into it right now. I've, I I kind of know what's been gone. You know, management has changed over in this library, so I think that there may be an option where some of those bad eggs 
And I say the bad ones that did not encourage it after a, you know, a few meetings yeah. are, have moved on, but it's really going to be coming down to the youth services piece. And, and if it's not there, it's not there, but I can't have these guys and gals going across town to an FLGS you know, it's just not practical. It's something that's no, no, no. In the neighborhood. It, you, you're doing it. You're doing it in the neighborhood yeah. for neighborhood kids, and you can't drag them across town to, you know, I'm bored or something. Yeah, kids are going to be obnoxious. They're going to be loud. They're you got to kind of you got to you got to you don't know the deal, Brad. You got kids. I got, I got five of them. I teach taekwondo for children. This is a lot. It's a lot of fucking work yeah, sometimes. I, and I may be getting in over my head, but nonetheless, it's something. Well, that, tell you what, you I, know, I mentioned this before off off the air, but I'll say it here on the air too. Is that if it's at a time I can help, right? Yeah. If it's on a, depending on the schedule and if I can work it in, this is one of the things that I would like to say yes to because part of it for me then is I can pack any of my kids up that want to go. I can drag them. Then it becomes a family thing for me where, you know, I could bring AJ and he's 10 years old and runs games, you know? So that, that can be a, that could be a thing too. So, I mean, if I can help and it is, it does get legs, I would do my best to help. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And so the next thing for me on my end is to meet with somebody from the library and, and maybe another venue like the rec center and see what their thoughts are. And if that is, if I can get some buy-in, then it's to get a list of volunteers, 10 or 20, and then pitch it to them. Like, Hey, are you interested? If you're just mildly interested, just let me know. And then pitch it to them and say, this is what I'm thinking. Get some feedback from them. And then nail it down, narrow it down to maybe five like go tos, like five people that can consistently show up every week. Yeah, who's who's really going to buy in? Who's all the, who's and all and in? the rest of the volunteers are good, but you need kind of a core set, I think. And and Victor's kind of mentioned that, and and that would help. And we'll see. The goal, the end goal, is to get kids turned on to RPGs and then get them to run their own stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's really that simple. And me to not do it like after six months or a year or whatever that time period is. And just to know that maybe they're running it in their own, maybe then they're old enough to drive and they're going to their FLGS or they're running it in their home or they're parts of our community or whatever that looks like. Like, Yeah, no, I get it. You know. That's very cool. So we'll see. But also another thing we didn't touch on was like, we're talking about some of the goals we have in, in, you know, you know, running games and whatever, there's parts of me that I want to play a bunch of different games, but also, you know, part of it is running games for maybe, um, people that haven't played in a long time or, or have, have ever played. Like, I think there's a fundamental kind of, there's a bubble in the gaming hobby, I think to some degree where, we play with who we know who are part of our groups. We talked about that from when you and I were both working at the same office. There was yeah. a guy in my department, John, who played Pathfinder. He loved it. He played with the same guys all the time. That's all they ever did. And <clears throat> the hobby is is such that that is absolutely a legitimate way to engage in the hobby. Yeah, absolutely. There's no knock against that. No, you find a game you love. I like first edition AD&D, and we play our own homebrew version thereof, and uh, I've got five guys, and we've been playing this way for 50 years. Fuck off. I, You know, <clears throat> there's nothing that says you're a bad gamer because you're not playing for the kids. You're not growing the hobby. You're not doing – those aren't requirements to participate in any hobby, right? You could be a model train enthusiast and never go to a model train enthusiast convention. You, you don't have to do those things. But I think you're right, though. I mean, I – 
shit, I can count on, you know, one hand just off the top of my head, the number of people that I've worked with. Oh yeah, I used to do that. God, that was a lot of fun. What do you, do you want to play? I don't know if I have any time. And sometimes it's the, do I, then the first thing hits my brain is like, do I have time? Shit. Cause what I'd like to do is get this dude to play because it's fun. <clears throat> he seems like a good person. She seems like she'd really dig this. And she used to play in college. Uh, how do I get Ange into my game? You know, or well, what do I have to do? And sometimes it's, it's a scheduling thing, you know, but the other piece is that with a game, with a club and a thing like you're doing is that even if you have people that <clears throat> you work with adults that may or may not have game before getting them to help volunteer or step in, even to just be a part of something like that could be another kind of a gateway back into the hobby for folks. Cause I, the benefits for the hobby, I think, are awesome. So, I just I am completely baffled with people I have spoken to and I know because I do IT recruiting and a lot of IT nerds are, have gamed in the past and RPGs and they've got I, not. I never, I never would have thought that. I That's know, shocking. Right? It's Th- those that Venn diagram is that close. Are yeah, you serious? Yeah, man, it's crazy. <laughs> and we got into it. Brett and I, or whoever we speak to, got into it because maybe an older brother had a game, and they they perused their shelf, and or they they eavesdropped on their on their brother or sister's game, and then or somebody brought it up, like an older friend at a school brought it up, whatever it was. However, somebody got into the gaming hobby, unless it was a sibling. Very rarely was it somebody's parents, and now the folks that got into it are now parents and yeah. some of them got my, away my, my from it. My kids know it because of me. Right. 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 And, so, and ever, and we've got away from that. Some of the folks, right. They've discovered, you know, whatever other things in life. And they maybe brushed it off as something that, you know, you do as a kid, you play the RPG and you don't do that as an adult, whatever. Unfortunately, it's okay. But, now those people have kids and I'm like, you had fun as a kid running those games. Why do you not like embrace that, learn how to get into that because it's something you intrinsically valued when you were a kid and pass that along to your, your own kids. My, my kids had, my kids had all of my old Star Wars and G.I. Joe toys, the little figures. Right. They had, that gave them to them. They destroyed them because they're kids and that's fine. That's, they were meant to be played with. It wasn't collecting, you know. So they played with all this. So I saved those toys because, oh, my kids might like this someday. So therefore, I gave it to them. The reason I have multiple copies of the games I love the most is because I have multiple. I have more than one child who I'm going to want to give this stuff to. When when Connor came up and said he really liked Fifth Edition, I grabbed my spare copy of all three core books and said, "Here you go." Really? Yeah, go play. He's run it a couple times for his friends, and he has fun. He reads the book, so I catch him perusing them, making dungeons and stuff. He's 17. He likes doing it. Yeah, He's going to go to the Air Force. He's planning to bring those books with him because I've told him, military military men and women like gaming. Oh, cool. I'll find more gamers. Yes, you will, son. Bring them with you. Um, it, That is funny. The other thing that's interesting to me, and you've mentioned this before, is the it's like, do you go bowling? Yeah, every Wednesday. You can game every Wednesday. There's no different. No. There's no difference. There's perhaps a weird social stigma for some folks, but fuck all that. There is. You're a grown, you're a grown man or a grown... Yeah, I know absolutely there is, but you're a grown man is. or woman. I don't have to explain myself to anybody. You know, it's anyone I don't care about as to why I want to go play D&D with my friends. I don't 
care what you think about that. I have had many people look at my LinkedIn profile and they're like, you're a tabletop RPG gamer. Holy shit. And they will email me after I decline them from a job and they'll be like, dude, what are you playing? Like, or something along those lines. Like, they I don't even it, want the job anymore. They just want to know, just they just want to know to, what you're doing. They're just wanting to be like, hey, man, you're cool because you play tabletop RPGs. So do I. But on another subject um, with the tabletop RPGs and kids, I got a, I got a friend of mine. I love him to death. Went to high school with him. And when I talked to him, I'm like, hey, when are you going to turn? Because he played D&D, probably not a ton, but he did. And I said, when are you going to turn on turn your two boys? He has two boys. I'm like, when are you going to turn your two boys? And he's a little girl, but she's like 18 months old. And I said, when are you going to turn your boys on to role-playing games, man? He's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. You know, this, you know, my youngest probably is more nerdy than the other one. You know, he's really into sports. And I'm like, why is it that parents, like, like they get in, oh, man, I am not a parent, right? Okay, disclaimer. But, you know, there is a huge bend towards sports, like soccer, football, baseball. I'm like, how about freaking role-playing games, goddammit? You're muted, Brett. You're not muted? I was losing my mind there, losing my mind. Oh, you're losing your mind, so you didn't want to speak <laughs> on, on the air. Half the you guys, I'm saying, get, I'm like, God, there's. I totally you know, get it. Hey, half the guys, I everybody doesn't have to be a players. fucking jock, you freaking doof. They could be scientists and be nerds and be brains. Like, hey, we've we've inherited the earth, man. My half the guys I game with were soccer players. I mean, hardcore soccer players. If I you're a jock, hey, that's cool. Like, I like smart jocks that are nerds too. Oh yeah, I mean, I. I teach taekwondo. I hunt. I do stuff. I mean, I'm not like a jock athletic guy. It wasn't never my thing in high school. But for Christ's sake, the one does not preclude the other. Right. Right. One is well, more can, socially acceptable, though. Yes. However, this is a whole you know, t- this is a whole other ball game. Oh, good God, we could go crazy on this. So anyway, short version. I think it's really cool that you want to do this, and if I can help, I will. And I think that would be it. Would be a really cool thing to do. So hey, I wanna, I wanna. Unless you got anything more to say, I want to transition because I think this is a good transition point because- Let's do it. All right. So let's get in. So I point I put this out on our Google Plus community and Facebook, and we got a lot of good folks that had chimed in and listed what they want to get into. Um, so I posed the question, hey, what are your 2017 RPG goals? Uh, you know, no, not, not resolutions or anything. So we could go, we'll read right through them. We'll just go right through one after the other. And if there's a comment that's warranted, we'll we'll do that. Otherwise, we'll just go through and Brett, you can start. Sure. Joe Swick, he said, I'd like to finally wrap up my Horde of the Dragon Queen game, get to Gen Con and Gamehole Con, maybe Origins, and play more games. Joe, goddammit, you better get your ass to Gamehole Con this next year, man. That's all I'm saying. I mo the game father, Tusano, reduce the pile of shame to zero at least for board games. I don't think it's possible for RPGs. That would be the unread, bro. That would be the unread games or unplayed. I have a pile of that, too. Kevin Keneally says, start a DCC campaign and playing some Dungeon World. I could get behind both of those. Now, Good see, stuff. I wanted to transition to this because I also want to look at some of the folks that are in our community that are like, I really want to play this game. I've never had the opportunity to play this game. And then I can go, hey, I'm running this game. Would you like, I mean, it'll be one, uh, one shot or maybe That's a three a session. Goddamn good idea. Dude. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, dude. We just say, Hey, look at you. Or you get the gaming community that says like, <clears throat> you get somebody like Hobbs Hobbs, who's like big OSR and says, I say, Hey, I want to play OSR. I want to try that. I never tried it. Hobbs goes, Hey, let me run a couple session 
game for you and get a taste of it. Then we could spread the love all over the place, Brett. Oh, I like it. All right. We're all, t- all touchy feely here. Chris Taylor, make it to Gary Khan and possibly Gen Con. If you haven't been to Gen Con, I think everybody's got to go at least once. It's good. Uh, Chris, if you make it to Gary Con, I'll be there for sure. And uh, Sean will be there at least one day. So. Gary Con 10. If you, if you can't make nine, 10 is supposed to be, I mean, it's the 10th one. Yeah. So they're kind of make, they're, they're gunning for that one to be a pretty big one. I don't know. People are even planning special events for that one already. So, Holy shit. Yeah. So Forrest to Gary, <clears throat> number one, I'm working on a super secret RPG project for um client. This will consume a great deal of my time now and a great deal of my other gamers' time once it's published. I and the publisher feel that this is going to be a big deal. Number two, also working with Stormlord Publishing in what looks to be an awesome DCC adventure. Very cool. Um, three, he wants to play more Call of Cthulhu. Carry his AD&D 2nd Edition Greyhawk campaign to the point where I can turn it back over to my co-DM and have fun doing it with lots of demons and such. <clears throat> Let's see what else has he got here. Monthly release of the Glowburn podcast. Forrest does have the Glowburn podcast out there. If you're not checking it out, do so. Take his Mutant Crawl Classics campaign to the next level with lots of intrigue. And he wants to do other stuff. Stuff. I will chime. I will. I will chime back in. I am working on a uh, writing project with uh, Phil and Chris. Two different uh, efforts with them uh, from the Misdirected Mark space. I'll talk more about one of them later on. But Phil and I have, are cooking up a little something. So kind of kind of cool. Uh, again, one of the things I looked at 2017, and when Phil approached me, I'm like, yes, I will say yes to this, and I'll say no to a couple other things. I'll do this thing and unschedule other stuff. So anyway. Ronin, stop wanting to run everything. Follow through with one game for a while. So he wants to be a little. He sounds like he's got a little uh, Sean disease there. God yeah. damn, I don't want to run everything. Just give one game. He doesn't want to be polygamerous. He wants to be uh, mono well, mono gamist. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you though, they're they're the cool thing for me and monogamist. Monogamist. Once I got away from believing, or in my head, this is just Brett's head saying, a campaign has to be this multi-year, real-time, oh my God, motherfucker, huge event. When running a campaign can be, you know, four months, six months, you know, smaller time spans, um, it's allowed me to play more stuff. So that's helped me quite a bit. Very cool. Mo came back, and he said he wants to be a guest on Gaming NBS. I, I subsequently replied to Mo and said, pretty low bar <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you what we tried to talk about board games a while back and uh wasn't necessarily our uh, sweet spot so if we could get mo uh, to talk about some board games that could be pretty damn cool because mo seems to know a thing or two about gaming yeah and it would be di- diversifying our our host like our our show because mo is can- canadian yeah, we've got a couple guys in the UK. We've got the uh, mongrel down in Australia, and then we'd uh, we'd pull in a, our Canadian contingent. That would be cool. Uh, Troy Tucker, get a weekly or bi-weekly game going with mature, like-minded people. Good luck, brother. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> he doesn't want, he doesn't want to be around the, the guys like us, the slap-ass <laughs> RPG table, you know, with people that fart and talk about stupid crap or whatever. I don't know. No, I, I hear you, dude. That hey, is hey, the, hey, Troy, good luck with that, buddy. Good luck with that. <laughs> the, the last phase, the like-minded people, that is how, when people have asked me, how do I have a game group that's lasted 20-plus years? Just because we're like-minded gamers. The the men and women I've gained with in that group who've been able to make it to the games all this time, 
they we all appreciate the same types of things in our gaming. We're willing to give and try new things and so on, but that like-minded component is huge. All right, Carl Kiesler says, for me, trying to run something different from what I usually run, like my go-to game with minis and maps, Savage Worlds games. Ooh, he wants to do something different. Like run some Powered by the Apocalypse games and or Fate games. These systems intrigue me. Very cool. Yeah. That's, that's why I want to do like going some of outside other stuff. the comfort zone, man. That's why I want to do some of the other stuff. Looking at some of these um, Invisible Sun, even Seven C. That's not a game I would normally have picked up, but I'm like, damn it, I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna play it, I'm gonna try it. And uh, Dungeon World, I read it, went, man, oh, I don't know. When I had a chance to play it, I said, fuck it, I'm going in. And uh, it's good. It's a lot of fun. That's a good thing to do. Good job, Carl. Dave Bendit. Two years ago, the goal was to start GMing. Last year, the goal was to GM more and better. I'm improving on rulings and general speed of play, I think. This year, I'll be running convention games for the first time. I want to run a hex crawl in a world of my own design. I want to get better at the story side of things. NPC goals and relationships, interdependencies between domains, intrigue, plotting. I want to get better at having things happen in the background when the players aren't looking right at things. Hell, I just want to have a good time. <laughs> nice. I'll tell you, though, the, the convention thing, I didn't think it was a big deal. When I first started running games at Evercon, and GameholeCon this last year was my first really larger convention to run games at, and it was a blast. And there's something to be said about being able to pull it off and do it well with people you've never met before. I each of the games I ran at GameholeCon, no one at that table had ever gamed with me before, so that was fun. It was a good time. If nothing else, Dave, I'll tell you, man, when you run the convention games, you can pull out the old staples, those secrets, those things that your regular core group is sick of seeing. These are like men and women; they don't know that stuff yet. You can totally pull out the old go-to's. Matt Bonhoff uh, from Deshrika, he says he wants to try a LARP. Oh, Matt, I'll tell you, man, I have done LARP. I have tried LARP. It is fun. If you can, give it a shot. He says he also wants to actually complete one of his own game designs, get his, quote, outreach to non-gamers, unquote, program uh, for a local con going. Yeah, mm. see, there you go. Tie it in a little bit. Yeah. Totally tied in. Uh, Tim Jensen, I suppose I'll keep playing home games, play a ton of new RPGs at Forge Midwest and Gen Con, and attend a few local cons like I do every year. Look forward to seeing some of my wife's various games getting finished and published, which uh, he's referencing Willow. Uh, actually, being a guest on Gaming and BS would be fun too because I have opinions. Yes, he does. <laughs> Tim does. All Tim, the way Tim, from the Grumlin Dwarf, he'd always, he'd always chime in with some gaming suggestions. Always. I'll tell you, Tim, Tim is a good dude. I bumped, I've met him now in person twice. At uh, Gamehole, good guy, uh, knows his stuff when it comes to gaming as well. So when he speaks, I always, I tend to listen. I don't know, Brett, if he ever, if I've ever divulged that or if Tim brought it up, but Tim ran like a 20, 25 year, something ridiculous vampire game. Did he tell you that? Do you remember that? I or no? think he mentioned it once yeah. when I met him. I think he mentioned it. One, he either mentioned it or you mentioned it to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that rival close to, close to what you did. Yeah. That's cool stuff. Yeah. John Henry says, get my custom game to the table. Ooh. There is something about when you're building a thing, whether it's a game world or a game system or whatever it is, there is, I'll paraphrase John Wick, is that, you know, what are you waiting for, right? At a certain point, put the fucker on the table and play it. Don't, don't go for perfect. 
there's no perfect game out there. If you've ever played an RPG, you know it's got its flaws. Get it out there and start messing with it. Do it! Nicholas, exactly. just do it! Holy it's... cow, it's like a long one. I think that's Damn. the whole thing. <laughs> Nick, Nick Abruzio, complete my DCC manuscript for my module Tower of Faces ahead of schedule. God, I hope we just didn't divulge something proprietary there. Ah, it's fine. Run something new. Play something new. Buy Sean and Brett a tasty beverage at a con. Well, all right. Do then. it! <laughs> I'm uh, over. Uh, hopefully, he'll come to GaryCon because we'll both be there. Finally, make a morning nights game with Doug Kovacs. So, for those of you that don't know who Doug is, Doug does a lot of the art for the Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG. So, he did some of the book covers and things of that nature. And Doug runs a buttload of DCC games at GaryCon and GameholeCon. He is he is an interesting dude. I had a chance finally to talk to him with Forrest Gary when we were at uh, GameholeCon. Awesome guy, wicked creative, as you can tell by his art. I uh, I did not have a chance to play with him, and I uh, I miss it. I'm hoping to get a chance to play with him soon. Last one from Nick. Develop this systemless resource pub. I've been thinking about for years. Oh. Ooh, that's that's a lo- that's a that's a big one. That's a big hill there. If he's been thinking about it for years, Nick, 2017 All baby, right. that's the year to do it. It's totally your year. Matt Martinez says my main goal this year is to run a uh, a game at OrcCon. I've been looking for some uh, for a good sword and sorcery adventure to use with Crips and Things Remastered. So far, the Zoth adventure, The Spider God's Bride, is the front runner. I'd also love to get around to playing and or running the following: Basic Fantasy. Numenera, Dungeon World, Masks, Shadow the Demon Lord, a superhero game of some sorts. You know, Shadow the Demon Lord, Matt, that is a game that I have um, I've had people point out to me like, look, Brett, dead babies. Look, you got to play this game. Um, so <laughs> Shadow the Demon Lord is one of those things that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to grab that at some point. If for no other reason than just for uh, inspiration for the uh, my proclivity to run dark and disturbing games. It might have been the game that you would have designed, Brett. It might have been. You never know, right? Shit. Super. Robert Schwab, man. He did everything just right for me. I love that guy. I have not run Supers. There's a tweet online with a bunch of other podcasts that are talking about gaming and BS and and asked about our favorite favorite Supers RPG. And I'm like, um, I've never played a Supers RPG. I have played Champions. I've played Marvel. I've played GURPS. And supers. What else did I play? Those a supers game. Something else. I guess I gotta uh, go back. I guess I gotta go back to him and say Brett's done it. I haven't. <laughs> Not my favorite genre. It's just something that might be a show topic sometime. I have to get a little supers discussion going. Anyway, carry on. Roger Bresley. Hey Mo Tusano. Maybe they'd guessed us and Timothy Stone on a Warhammer episode. Ooh, that could be epic. My goal last year was to read more novels and reduce my pile of books that didn't go so well. This year, my goal will be to read one of my RPG books each month. I'm interested to see how well that goes. That's not a bad goal. I mean, I've got, I do have a stack of novels and uh, half finished or half started novels. I tend to read like eight books at once and RPG books, much the same. So it might be a good idea. Focus a little bit. And you know what? Roger has talked, Roger and I talked about a, Warhammer episode before, and it might be kind of cool to get the uh, the trifecta of Warhammer gods, Roger, Mo, and Tim on the show for that. So might have to see what we can wrangle up there. Yeah, brother. 
All right. Scott Alvarado says, wrap up the current campaign in a satisfying way. Ooh, that's good stuff. Can you, define, can you define satisfying way for us? Is, is I assume Scott means me? satisfying for him. Oh, okay. <laughs> satisfying to me. Well, that might be a <laughs> particular way. Yeah. Screw those players. Right. Uh, he also wants to help Dave, help out Dave Bennett with the story side of things by being one of his guinea pigs <laughs> and start a sci-fi game with the same appeal and longevity as the fantasy games I generally, generally run. I tell you, Scott, that was another reason why I did Traveler and um, when I did my Murder City stuff was to try sci-fi. That was totally outside my comfort zone. I had not done sci-fi in a long time, and I'm starting to kind of eyeball the superhero genre in much the same as like, you know what? There's no reason I can't run that. I like superheroes. Why don't I give that a try again? So uh, good luck with that one. I like it. That's a good one. Jim Ryan, get back to actually gaming again instead of just wishing for it. Oh, Jim, you deserve it. That's not the damn button I want to hit. That was totally the right button. Right. Get back into gaming, Jim. Do it. Finally run a mini campaign in one of the worlds I've put together recently. I've got an overgrown, low population, centuries beyond post-apocalyptic fantasy world. A Da Vinci Punk, multi-species, science fantasy mashup world and a tragic Dawn of Civilization game all in desperate need of playtesting. Ooh. Uh, attend at least one distant con I've never been to before. Gen Con and Fear the Con are high on this list. So Fear the Con, you listen to Fear the Boot. Fear the Con's down in St. Louis. Uh, definitely worthy. As a matter of fact, very uh, good group that puts that on. I have not been there. That may be something that, Brett and I could put on the list is go down to Missouri. I don't know what month it is, but that's not that far. That's four hour right down the right down the road, Brett. Shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Fear the con. Fear the okay. con. I don't know if it's at fearthecon.com, but that's something to check out. We have to give that a run. And last we have Jim Fitzpatrick, last but not least, of course. He says, run a game at a con. As we said before, that is a damn fine goal, Mr. Fitzpatrick. Finish writing my cipher system module. Start a campaign of the strange. Finish my series of articles on adapting D&D skill challenges to 5E. Very cool. So now, since we recorded all these... We get to check back folks, on all of these people. <laughs> these folks can come back and listen to this episode a year from now and see if they've checked them all off. Hey, why not? Thanks for and everybody for commenting, by the way. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And it's, um, like I said, it's not necessarily revolution uh, revolutions. Resolutions. No. Revolution. Fuck it. It's revolution time. God damn it. Um, <clears throat> not asking for resolutions, but it's interesting from a gaming perspective. Uh, if nothing else, once you've been gaming for a long time um, and you get that stack of books on your shelf, you get that horde of ideas. I found that it's best for, for no other reason than it is a start of a new year to start going through my head and say, okay, what am I going to do next? What's going to come after this? And try to put together some kind of a, <clears throat> excuse me, a game plan of sorts where I can say, all right, you know what? I am going to do these five things, and I am going to try this. And um, part of it to me is going to, like I said, coming down to I have to say no to a few more things to make sure I can hit some of these markers, but I think I can make it happen. It'll work. All right. Thanks for everybody chiming in. Let's get into die roll. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to share with you. Brett's got three. I've got a few. I'm poured on. Brett, go ahead. Sounds good. We have a black goat that was sacrificed on an airport tarmac uh, in what, Pakistan. Huh? What, huh? Yes. A black goat was sacrificed 
on uh, Pakistan's tarmac near an ATR-42 aircraft. Yeah, I don't necessarily know why. Didn't finish reading the article, but God damn it, that's a cool thing. That's one of those things you read that, you're like, okay. <laughs> hey, if there is a Shubnigarath black goat of the woods of a thousand young, if there is a Cthulhu Delta Greeny thing going down, right there, you have a plot. There is also, I posted this in the community on our Google Plus page. I think I may have got out to the Facebook group as well. <sighs> However, there are pics of a deep sea fisherman's catches. These are some disturbing goddamn underwater critters. Um, for no other reason than, again, for my love of Cthulhu and so forth, look at this stuff. This is the shit that um, underwater nightmares are made of. Good stuff. Um, and speaking of projects outside of here, um, Chris Nizak. Uh, myself, Kevin Lovecraft, uh, Tom Flanagan from Nights of the Night, Emily from She's a Super Geek. Um, we got together and we have started our Streets of Avalon uh, actual play podcast. It is dropped. It's on. I've got a link in the show notes. Uh, Mr. Director Mark Chris has uh, done the editing, added some sound to it. It's really cool. It's episode one. We're going to, uh, we've got some more in the can, as it were, that Chris is working on. We're kind of, uh, I hope people like it. It's based on my Avalon world that I've talked about on the show now for God knows how long. So we're having a lot of fun with it. It's a 5e game. So uh, check it out and let us know what you think. I mean, if you're like, hey, that was good, but could you do more of X? I could use more of Y. You know, we're still kind of grinding our way through this actual play thing. So hopefully we can get some good feedback. Your turn, Sean. All right, Skywars Edge of the Kingdom RPG, which is a fantasy-based RPG using the Star Wars rules from Fantasy Flight Games. We've talked about a little bit, a little bit about those. Somebody did a mod for them. Uh, patron Wayne Humphrey uh, mentioned them, as well as Azriel Orosha mentioned this game system. Uh, number two, AnarchyDice.com. Link in the show notes has some decent free resources for your RPG RPG to include faction tracking sheets on traveling encounter generation, camping and travel tracking tool. Just to name a couple, uh, check them out. I thought it was pretty interesting. You never know that if they cool. could become useful for your own game. Uh, number three, a treasure hunter found three tons of sunken gold and can't leave jail until he says where it is. It's from the Washington Post, so it's got to be true, right? Of course. Three tons of sunken gold. Arr, it sounds like we got to go and find us some treasure. Uh, oh. num- <laughs> got to check it out. What? That's awesome. Yeah, so I should have seen, like, in case you are new to the show, Die Roll is not only about you know, miscellaneous topics of geekery, but also inspiration for your own RPGs. Exactly. Or real life. Like RPGs come to real life. I mean, this, a treasure hunter locked away. This is like, uh, God, shit. Now I can't remember the, the Count of Monte Cristo. I mean, this is like the guy in the Count of Monte Cristo stuck in a jail cell. Oh, Hey, I know where some stuff is. You know, this is, Oh my God. They reference this a is, guy. Go, I think his reference name is, back to our jailbreak episode. Go back to the breaking out of prison episode. This is the hook that gets your players out of prison to go find three tons of sunken gold. Okay, Brett. So who was our governor a few years ago? His first, his initials were T. Remember? Tommy Thompson. What was his middle initial? Do you remember? Is it Tommy no. G. Thompson? Was it G? It could have been. The guy in the article's name is Tommy G. Thompson. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, anyways, D&D, next one, D&D Online is under new management. 
So if you're a D&D online player or a Lotro, for those of you that are not in the know and don't know what Lotro is, that's Lord, that's of, the Lord of the Rings online. online. Uh, new management's taking over those properties. So who knows? Could they get better? Maybe. Could they get worse? Hopefully not. Um, so yeah, if you're, you're haven't been um, notified of that. Mike Shea conducted a survey. Next one. Mike Shea conducted a survey of 5e D&D Dungeon Masters to help get a better understanding of how DMs prep for and run their D&D games. He shares the results online. So check that out. Might be a good place to find out if you might want to use different tools that others are using. Um, and let's see. Number, what am I on? Five, six. Scholars fret about the fate of Holy Grail, quote unquote, Holy Grail German Abbey books. So the Holy Grail as in like rare Abbey books, not the actual Holy Grail. So since 1496, the former Benedictine Abbey in Altomunster has housed the female religious order founded by St. Bridget in Sweden in the 14th century. It is one of the three monasteries of the original branch of the scholarly monastic order operating today. But with its numbers in decline, Sister Apollonia now lives there alone. The Vatican requires at least three nuns to train novices to become nuns, prompting the decision decision to shut the abbey down. This is, this is, I'm take this man, put it right in your campaign plop. Um, so there are some crazy amount of books there. Um, they're talking about they, the real estate alone being worth millions of dollars. It's located in Bavaria. They have 500 books. I mean, tomes that survived the Protestant Reformation, the Thirty Years' War, Germ- Germany's secularization. It's holy shit. So they want they they so there's people uh, researchers that want access to these archives and these books and tomes so that they can they can literally archive them. Yeah, uh, but the Catholic Church Damn. is kind of wanting to to shut it down, and and man, it's I'm like wow, damn, wow, yeah. So, uh, and just the order themselves, it's like there isn't any left. I don't. I mean, this thing could be a huge monastery and have a single woman living there. Would is just just thinking of that is nuts. Yeah, pick it up, drop it in your fantasy campaign, add some undead. Something ghost spirits of past nuns who guard the tomes. There you go. Wow. And then the last one, 2016 mega list of games and goodies for mostly under 20 bucks. It's from Ben Gerber. If you don't know who Ben is, he's on Google Plus. He's a big role play or board gamer. He actually has designed quite a few board games. And he put out a list of board games that you might find of value under 20 bucks. Um, a little after the holidays, money might be tight. We still want to get a good game or something like that. Or you got some gift cards or some money from relatives. You want to spend money on some board games that are less than 20 bucks. Check out that list. Looks very cool. Well, that's it. That's all I have for this week. Well, man, I'll tell you what, we should do the old traditional happy holidays out there. It's been, it's past, uh, past Christmas and I know New Year's out there. There's plenty of other folks out there who celebrate other holidays. I hope everybody out there has a great one. Whatever it is that you're celebrating, enjoy it. Uh, hopefully you have a good time to, even if you don't get to game, I didn't get to do a lot of gaming yet, but um, family, friends, loved ones, 
all that stuff. I know it's cliche, but it's pretty goddamn awesome. So I hope you've all had a good time, had a chance to uh, indulge yourselves a little bit and uh, not have to work <laughs> at the very least. Yes. Thank you for sticking up with, uh, sticking with us for, sticking up for us, sticking <laughs> with us. And putting up with us. Or just tuning in, or if you've been with us since the beginning, or even just the last few months, or last week, or just picked us up, thank you so much. Otherwise, uh, you, uh, oh, we should mention, uh, if you haven't tuned into the show before, we have a sponsor, they're GameHole.com. It's a gaming convention, you'll hear it, we talk about it all the time, Alex Cammer's the director, there's a crew over at GameHoleCon.com. It's a gaming convention here in Madison, Wisconsin, held in November. It's the first weekend in November. They're going to a three-and-a-half-day schedule next year. It'll be GameholeCon mm-hmm. 5. I'm actually sporting one of their shirts right no, now. Oh, I see. YouTube. Very nicely done. Yes. So um, if you're interested in going to a, a game con by gamers for gamers, um, check them out by all means. Otherwise, Brett, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're going to take a uh, take a tip from a couple of our listeners. We're going to talk about what's in a name. We're going to talk about names, naming conventions, and other things like that next time. So that should be good. What was the one we stole? Molly Magic... Molly Mag... Something Beard Dingle or something? Bondongle. I don't know. Bondingle? I don't know, but it was good. Nippy Von Bondingle? Sure, why not? Crickers, trickers, and frickers. <laughs> All right, for gaming NBS, uh, I don't know if we're going to drop one by the, by next year, are we? Do we have another one next for 2016 yet? I no, think. this is the last one for 2016, dude. No, it next is the last is after, one. Next one is in 2017. All right, well, I guess we'll we'll bring you gaming NBS in 20 next year. Exactly. I'm one of your hosts, Sean, and I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming all. Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rodemacher, Forrest Aguirre, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Misdirected Marks Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Old School DM, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason Blaylock, Remy Billadeau, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Mirko Froilich, Wayne Lumrunner Humphrey, James Carpio, not Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tenkar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Brett Pazinski, Tim Shorts, Eileen Barnes, Chad Knight, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Nicholas Abruzzo, Victor Wyatt, Tony the Butcher Baker, Craig Huber, Eli Kurtz, and the Lost Sailor. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the entire show for a month. Visit GamingMBS forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you.